0: Up the ground and take the bloom from the rose so little jack frost go away go away and don't you come back another day there's lots of cold feet all the lovers complain you turned off the heat down in lovers lane the bench in the park is all alone in the dark so little jack
1: And can you believe we are almost to the middle of May and they're talking about frost here. It's been cool. A nice cool week. Felt more like fall here in Anderson. But it has been another great week in Anderson. Welcome to the Anderson Reservoir podcast. News from people you trust. And we're less than six weeks until the days start getting shorter, if you can believe that. And this cool weather is a nice welcome relief since we know that the long-range forecast is calling for hotter than average summer here. And we all know what the heat and humidity bring. In this podcast, I talked to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns about plans to return county council meetings, which will be coming up here a week from Tuesday, and also other projects in the county. I talked to Dr. Kim Davis, the director of PAWS, with an update about what's going on at PAWS during all this pandemic. I talked to Christy King-Brock at AIM about how the community has stepped up support AIM during this time. And I talked to Anderson First Baptist Church pastor Josh Hunt on how churches are dealing with these different days for ministry. And I talked to Anderson Area YMCA CEO Joe Drennan about how the Y has been working to prepare for the eventual reopening and how nobody had stopped working there and the charitable work they're doing. And also talked to Adam Johnson, who is a researcher, whose work has found that South Carolina is the 46th in the nation in accessible mental health care, and that during these times of layoffs and other people losing their insurance and things, how it's gotten even worse. The first, I wanted to run down a couple of quick things in the news. As I mentioned, Anderson County Council returned to regular in-person face-to-face meetings May 19th. Citizens are invited, uh, be at 630 at the Historic Courthouse, as usual. That's a Tuesday night. It's a week from Tuesday. And this is after weeks of no meetings uh because of the coronavirus and an attempt to hold online meetings by a phone which turned out to be just a really bad idea it didn't work people were talking over each other you couldn't tell who was who council members couldn't hear each other uh it was a noble experiment but it didn't didn't turn out very well but this um, upcoming meeting is an important one because it'll be the first look we have at the county's fiscal year 2020-2021 budget and that budget should be posted on the county's website friday may 15th that's the first draft and it'll be first reading of a budget looks like Council is going to roll over most of last year's budget, try to emulate it, and then they won't know for a few days. They'll be able to delay a vote on the final budget along with the state until they know how much is going to be cut and how much it's going to cost us because of the virus losses to revenue in the state of South Carolina, which um, I think the budget was talking about in South Carolina. They may have to cut $700 million statewide. Restaurants are going to be allowed to open with restrictions on Monday. Some of them have already been open. with uh, tables outside but these new restrictions are voluntary but they do require tables to be six to eight feet apart and have various sanitizing functions to take care of from and checking employees and we hope this is a good move for the sake of our local restaurants but i don't really don't like the voluntary part of the equation and i hope restaurants do voluntarily take these precautions to take care of that kind of stuff also four of the county's five school districts have scheduled graduations for june districts one through four will hold traditional ceremonies with distancing restrictions and limits of two guests per graduate. Uh, They've all talked to students and parents and everything decided this is what they wanted to do. District five has not made an announcement yet about any other changes. Originally they scheduled a student only graduation, but jettisoned that idea after complaints from parents and and others and so there's no word, yet on what they're gonna do going forward. Don't know if they'll have a, a graduation ceremony per se in june or later in the summer or um, something else but i'll let you know as soon as that comes out um there have been some people you know trying to get other businesses open that are not allowed to open under state of emergency state law and one of those 10 star fitness which has facilities in anderson greenville and spartanburg decided to post on facebook april 28th they were going to open and they did and sled the south carolina law, law enforcement decision got there before lunch with the threat of finding the gym $1,000 per person on the premises if they didn't vacate immediately, they gave them like one hour to get everybody out. And while I know everybody wants to get back to working out regularly, this is just not the way that's going to make that happen. And uh, you know, and there's a lot I could say about that. There's no bigger gym rat than I am, but it can't happen this way. Don't forget the Meals on Wheels Senior Food Project continues for the next four weeks. I did talk to Laurie Ashley at Meals on Wheels last week, so you can listen to that podcast here, what she had to say about those details. But senior citizens in Anderson, Pendleton, Iva, Piedmont, Belton, and Honeypath areas can visit the local sites for a package of five meals per person and just need to bring your ID. And you can visit Meals on Wheels Anderson to get the, or the Anderson Observer also has these posted. The dates and the times at those locations uh, is morning or afternoon on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday in the weeks to come. Um, but you can find those, like I said, on Meals on Wheels uh, Facebook page, or their website, or the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust uh, everyday site. Uh, you can um, keep in mind too that if you know senior citizens who cannot get out to pick up these foods, you can pick it up for them, and that would be a really good thing if you know somebody who's a shut-in. But the pandemic does seem to be causing a lot of confusion and causing a lot of folks to either stay at home or they're out of work and. Unfortunately, because of this, many people are just so itching to get out and they see the sunshine that they're not practicing safe distancing, wearing masks in publics and being careful. Um, with more than 7, it's about 7,300 cases in South Carolina now and 81 confirmed cases in Anderson County, uh, individuals and businesses are trying to get back to, to normal slowly, but there's no indication that things are totally safe yet. And people crowding into places and I guess the ones everybody keeps pointing to are the jockey lot Walmart Lowe's some of these kind of places someone said Hamrick's are just jammed in and some people believe that uh, these kind of things might might as well have people go back to work to reduce public crowds if they're not going to stay home and um, we don't know they're they're talking about a potential rebound in the fall and it may come before that the numbers have been going up in South Carolina this past week and part of that's due to testing although testing is still pretty low here but this week did uh, bring back, like I said, the return of outdoor dining, and people welcomed it in large numbers. Uh, all this week, you've seen people out on the sidewalks eating. The tables are eight feet apart, and the restaurant owners I've seen and talked to are really cleaning extra, having their folks clean, gloves, all the kind of things to take precautions at lo- local restaurants for those outdoor tables. And I know people are ready, and, and it has been a nice week to do that most days. And one place that has added even more tables for a short time on this is a long time sponsor of the anderson observer news from people you trust is sullivan's metropolitan grill they've been serving curbside and delivering food for weeks but now they're serving in person again and that's that great service you've gotten used to if you've been missing sullivan's as much as i have the return of outdoor diamond is a real welcome site and now they'll be able to have limited opening indoors next week remember Sullivan's is Anderson's finest dining and it was a thing that Bill Nickus came in the downtown Anderson when it was virtually dead and really helped kick off the renaissance of downtown and they've been featured in culinary magazines all over the country multiple times other magazines Southern Living um, you can try their lunch and and see why they were chosen by um, open is one of the top 100 restaurants in America one of only two in South Carolina uh, at lunch, I recommend always the open-faced pot roast sandwich or the best burger in town. Those are both, either one of those you can't go wrong with. The dinner menu is all good. Too many things to me to make a, a decision, a choice there on. But Sullivan's will show you the great food they have on their Facebook account. Every day they have the specials and that kind of stuff. And if you are planning an event in the days ahead, there's that same great food brought to you at Sullivan's Caters. They do the white tablecloth catering at those tin foil pan prices. And you can find out more about that on Facebook as well. But, uh, you know, I encourage you, if you can, support local to curbside, to go, or even outdoor dining. Or if you think you're ready and you take precautions next week as they open up, you know, to remember to shop local and, and take care of those folks one of the questions i've been getting more than almost any other is about what's happening at pause during the pandemic we do have a lot of animal lovers here and dr kim sanders who has become a national voice for the no-kill shelters and has built quite a model right here in anderson people come to look at uh, she's director of PAWS, and she gave me a brief update on what's going on at PAWS. okay with all this going on with the pandemic i know the pause is, is, is closed to the public Paul's is not closed. Tell people what's going on here at Paul's. give them an update.
2: Yeah, so you know with the animal shelter we're never closed. There's always animals in need and of course we have animals you know still on site as well so you know we are we are shut to the public um, but we are still moving animals out into foster homes and adopting as well. It's just by appointment only so we're trying to really limit contact and limit the number of people in and around the facility at the same time. So, you know, we we still have over 80 animals here that are in need of a home. Um, Animal control is bringing in animals through you know emergencies or injured animals as well. So, you know, there's there's always something to be done here seven days a week. We have staff on site taking care of the animals, making sure all of their needs are met. Everybody's clean and fed and still getting some playtime as well. And and really trying to get to know the animals so that we can move them out into those permanent homes.
1: What are some of the other challenges y'all face, though, with all the shutdown stuff?
2: you know a lot of the challenges have just been really helping our community you know it's a a big part of the community is now out of work and so we have a food bank we have resources available for those people that need you know need assistance as well so we've been doing that we got a a great donation this morning um, from uh, United Way of of dog food and cat food. So, you know, things like that, anything we can do to assist people that are in need to help them take care of their animals so they can keep them during this time. And we've really been, um, you know, kind of stepping up that game as well and, and really reaching out and assisting everyone we can.
1: How can people help that are watching this what can they do to help you?
2: Uh, you know the biggest thing right now is to get some of these animals out so if you have an open space if you're home right now please come down foster adopt you know send us an email go to our website you can always check on there to see what animals we have and and help us move these animals out so that we can make make room to have you know those emergency cases here and, and take care of them as well donations are always welcome dog food cat food to help us keep our food bank ready um, and then cash donations are always greatly appreciated it as well,
1: and can they make cash donations online?
2: You can. Yep, we have a, listed on our website. We do have a PayPal account as well, so you can can always go on there too.
1: And. Since the break-in, have you completely kind of gotten everything replaced, or are we back up to speed?
2: <laughs> it's been a rough couple of months, so you know, yeah, I think most of the things have been replaced and repaired. We still got a few things that we're waiting on, a few things that we have left to purchase. Um, but fortunately, you know, most of those supplies were recovered, and then a lot of the vaccine companies and our drug companies graciously donated a lot of things to us as well. And then the public was fantastic and really stepped up and and helped us recoup, you know, all of our all of our things that were that were broken or. So, um, you know, then that on top of the pandemic has been um, just very challenging times for us out at the shelter. But, you know, it's a great time to have a dog or cat in your house and and really get to know them and fostering is fantastic right now. So, you know, we, we love when people help out and give back to the community as well. So. Uh, you know, I've been very, very lucky to have such an incredible staff here. You know, these, these guys and girls come in every day to take care of these animals as best they can, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the, the pandemic or the weather or anything like that. And so, you know, I'm just we have such an incredible supportive team. They're in here every day sending me pictures of them loving on the animals and videos of playgroups. And, you know, they always go the extra mile. And we're just very, very fortunate to have that kind of support here in Anderson County.
1: And speaking of support here in Anderson County, if you've been following the podcast over the years, you know that we are always uh, talking about our local charities and nonprofits who are reaching out to help our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens who uh, have some needs. And um, right now they're all trying to meet these increased demands because so many people are out of work and needing a little extra help and they're not getting paid. So these groups are stepping up to do that. And for decades AIM, which is used to be known as Anderson Faith Ministries, has been on the front lines and a leading provider of such help for those those who have any needs at all. Uh, and my friend, Christy King-Brock, who founded AIM and is still leading it, proud that the community stepped up and, and really helped during this time. If you remember a few weeks ago, their freezer was almost completely bare, but the community has really responded to their request for help. And here's what she had to say. Um, I just wanted to get an update on how AIM's doing, what AIM still needs, how people can help, and that kind of thing, because we had not talked in a couple of weeks.
3: Okay. Um, well, we've been so blessed with the response from the community. Um, Cisco Foods has sent, I think their seventh tractor-trailer truck of food into us um, since wow. this started. Mm-hmm. Um So, we have been able to continue to, you know, to serve our customers uninterrupted. Um, We are now um, five days a week, Monday through Friday morning. With the drive-through, the ability to serve more people in a more efficient manner has been great. Um, We'll never go back to the old way, so... We've learned a lot through this crisis, and our creativity has made us more um, efficient uh, with the services that we provide. So we're excited about that. We are able to serve folks virtually from our website for uh, utility assistance right now. So people can literally go to our website, download the application, do the orientation, take pictures of the necessary paperwork with their cell phone and email them back in.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So, I, wondered, I wondered if y'all had learned some ways that might help y'all in the future in all this. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of neat.
3: We we have, and, you know, the beauty of this, Greg, is, you know, we don't ever want people to take off from work to come to AIM to get assistance. Right. Um, and as you know, we serve a lot of students. Yep. Um, we don't want them to miss class to come and, and get assistance.
1: And so, a lot of working poor okay. people, too, that really are, you know, people don't think about people who are working and still are barely, you know, able to to eat.
3: Exactly. So, the beauty of this is we'll never not have the ability to serve people virtually. Now, we'll continue to have people come in uh, because that's the way we have that direct um, relationship with them and can do more for them than just pay a bill. But, the beauty is we're able to provide services without people having to take time off and come in to get those services
1: now what what can people still do to help
3: well my greatest fear i'm going to be honest with you is when we get back to the point that people can come into the office when we get back to the point that the utility suspensions have been discontinued um, and i was very encouraged to get a letter from duke energy stating that um, they are going to gradually bring the suspensions back online um, and they're going to work with folks to give them a, a six-month period, I think, to, to catch back up. But we're concerned about the amount of assistance. So uh, what we have normally done in the past will be like fighting a house fire with a garden hose. Right. Um, so we're hoping that we can get um, the federally funded organization in town that is going to receive a great deal of money from the stimulus to help with utilities to partner with us so that we're triaging um, and that we can work in in partnership to make an impact on the families that we're serving.
1: That's awesome. I um, listen, I appreciate that y'all had to, tried to put it out with the fire hose. At least somebody's trying to help. The other thing <laughs> I think that's kind of cool that I've watched over the last few years, Christy, is AIM has really become so, I mean, not that you weren't always this way, but you would get overwhelmed, but I've, I've seen y'all become more relational with the people coming in needing help. Yeah. Seems like y'all have and, strong and you know, relationships with these people and their families and their kids, and you know people, and it's different than just giving people assistance you don't know, but you, by and large, y'all have really built a lot of relationships in all this.
3: Well, and that's how people grow and change, um, and, and that is through that relationship, and that's why we made the change from emergency assistance, which was reactive, to pivotal support, which is the proactive approach for folks to take the situation that they're in and map out a way to change the situation for the positive and help them put the steps in place that they need to follow to get them from point a to point b
1: and that's what y'all have done for a long time and i appreciate you sticking with us i know it's not easy what about the women and children succeeding program where, where are we at on that right now
3: um it, we are i think I believe they're going to be taking some applications for the fall semester. Great. Um, we are hoping that our relationship with DSS is going to um, move forward. Um, we've been in conversation with them, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to take advantage of the block grant dollars that we had in the past for Women Insurance Children Succeeding, which will allow mm-hmm. us to bring more people in. Um, our concern is that we don't want to make a commitment to somebody and then not have the resources to finish their education right so when we bring somebody into women and children succeeding we're typically bringing them in for three to four years right so you don't want to bring people in and then not have the resources to continue to assist them so we we're being very intentional about making sure that we've got sustainable funding before we move forward with that and
1: remind um, remind people who don't know that much about it some of the success stories i've had from that program christian
3: well, the Women and Children Succeeding Program is a college support program where we provide po- primarily um, childcare and transportation, along with intensive case management, coaching, um, and they're all provided with a mentor. Uh, again, Greg, as you were saying, back to that relationship, which is so critical in helping people develop influence and helping people truly um, break that cycle of poverty um, and become, you know, move into that middle class world, so the mentor the mentor piece is critical. But uh, we've had 157 graduates of this program, four that we know of are either currently enrolled in a Ph.D. program or have completed a Ph.D. program. Um, the very first year of the 20 under 40 recognition, three of the nine women identified were graduates of our Women and Children Succeeding Program and all came into the program homeless. So yeah. it's truly changing, <laughs> not just the, that lady's life, but the generation to come.
1: Right. Y'all have broken a lot of generational things. Now. All right. Let's get back to how people can help. Um, I guess the, the number one people, and people don't realize this, and I just want to remind them because I know you're having, tired of having to say it all the time, but money goes a lot further if they donate to y'all than if they go try to buy something and help y'all with, right?
3: It does. Um, that's, that's probably, you know, the most effective way to help AIM right now. Um, is a, a financial contribution. Not that we are not appreciative of and will accept um, food items if people want to bring that in. Right,
1: remind what kind um, of food stuff? what kind of food stuff do you need?
3: Um, dried beans, rice, um, canned meat, peanut butter, jelly. Those are some of the main items that we could really use. Right. Macaroni and cheese, um, canned fruit. Those are the main items that, that we're able to give to our family.
1: Well, I know you and your folks are working harder than ever and all this, and we appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we'll get to the place where you can take a vacation this summer and everything will be okay. <laughs> I,
3: I, I'm actually going to Charleston tomorrow. It's Mother's Day weekend, and um, the child that I have on the east coast lives in, on James Island. So I'm going to get to go spend some time with my son this weekend. So I I am actually taking tomorrow off. I'm looking forward to it.
1: That is wonderful. Good for you. Well, thanks for taking time to call, and uh, we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks to see what people can do for you. And you have a good Mother's Day.
3: Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks,
1: Christy. Bye. You know, also on the front lines during all this time as many of our churches have been really helping in the community, uh, not just their own congregations but others. Uh, they've faced challenges that no one in church ministry alive remembers ever having faced. And I did talk to my friend Josh Hunt, who is senior pastor of First Baptist Church, at Anderson, about uh, how he and his fellow pastors have worked with uh, keeping their churches connected while services have almost all moved online and their buildings are remaining closed. All right, Josh, um, you've been at First Baptist a long time. You've been senior pastor now for over a year, right?
0: Just over a year, yep. Yeah.
1: Wow. And, um, <laughs> did you ever in your wildest dreams think your first year senior pastor, you'd be facing a pandemic?
0: Oh my goodness. This, there's, there's, uh, none of this was expected. No. I mean, I, I, this, uh, this feels so, um, you know, I so like the early 20th century, it feels like Spanish flu, uh, all over again. And you just, you would think that we're so advanced technologically, medically, That we're beyond this, and um, it's very humbling.
1: Yeah, we find out first of all, there's no seminary class on pandemics and how to minister. There is,
0: there is no seminary class, and in fact, uh, I mean, our, 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 you know, each church's polity, the structure, the way we do things and make decisions, is going to impact um, in in vastly different ways how churches. Uh, approach something like this and so we we all operate in our own systems and which is why i think you see uh vastly different responses from congregation to congregation
1: and i know you've got a lot of friends who are pastors do y'all kind of network and talk about how y'all are handling all this
0: absolutely yeah we uh I, i try to um to maintain those kinds of connections in general anyway because it's it's just healthier for me, um, to, uh, to have those kinds of, of open relationships with, with my colleagues and not have like a competitive spirit. But we certainly, I think dialogued more, um, in, in, in the last couple of months, just what are you thinking? How, how are you doing? Um, and, and really commiserating, um, and, um finding out that feelings of exhaustion and frustration are common, and that's um that's been really helpful to remember
1: and what what are you hearing both from you personally and um from your your friends that are are also in the ministry um what what are the biggest challenges everybody's facing um
0: I mean the absence is um is really difficult because we we have a certain way that we're used to doing church and, and engaging in church and connecting with people within the church, and um, by and large, those ways have been suspended for a while. And um, figuring out how to do what we need to do um, to feel like we're engaging our calling how to serve our church faithfully in ways that are frankly um, out of most of our elements um, has been challenging Um, feelings that what we're doing will have broader implications than we currently realize, you know, we're, we're kind of operating in a crisis. um, But the decisions that we're making within a crisis are going to have long-term uh, ramifications to the church going forward. So, you know, the, any, any thought that after there's a vaccine, uh, for this virus, that things will just bounce back to, they to the way they were in February, 2020. Um, we're, the longer this goes, the more we realize that's not going to be happening. Things will, things are going to be changed. Um, in in ways that I don't think we we can fully comprehend yet um and in ways that are beyond our control uh by this we're going to be a changed people after this that's not a bad thing it's just uh, necessarily it's scary and there's grief associated with that and I think that's that's the other thing I would say is that grief is a huge subtext of this and it's a word that people I think are getting increasingly comfortable using but um but it's still not as it, it's still not widely understood in that context yet. Um, and I see a lot of people acting through the stages of grief right now, um, and because so much they feel so much has been taken away from them, and and there's a grief to
1: that. I want to get back to grief, but before we do that, what are some? What do you think? Some you talk about changes. What do you think some of the good changes that might come out of this will be?
0: Well, I think there's a what i have said um from the pulpit during this time is that i i i don't want to forget the lessons that i've learned through this that i needed to learn i don't want to unlearn the lessons that i think god wants to teach me through this and i think what's true for me personally is also true for for us as a church i won't speak for the big c universal church but i can speak for this congregation one of the changes that we've seen here um because we're worshiping um we're offering our worship services by video we're pre-recording our services and then broadcasting them during our regular worship time on sunday mornings people who have not been able to come here physically have so appreciated being a part of our worship services again and We've had, you know, we we put our sermons on our website and have done that for years, and we make CDs available, and we've done that for years. But the visual component, uh, which is I know not new or revolutionary for a lot of churches, is really new here, and um, and we have have kind of talked uh, as a staff that the feedback that we've gotten has has kind of caused us to to see that we don't need to give that up just, just because we're able to meet in person. Again, we want to be sensitive to the fact that not everyone who really is invested in the life of this church just happens to not be able to be here, be able to be here on a Sunday morning. We can involve them in a new way if we, if we think about this intentionally going forward. So that, I think that will have been a positive outcome in this church. From this time,
1: and people can if they're looking for a church service, they want to take, participate online in Facebook Live. Y'all do it there, right?
0: We do. Uh, or you record we record it, and put we it on Facebook. Vimeo, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, we share it on
0: Facebook. Yeah, it's AndersonFBC slash community,
1: and then it's also on Vimeo.
0: That's right, and it's on Vimeo. Yeah, okay. And we we pub, we publish it um, at around nine thirty on Sunday morning when we would normally be in the sanctuary.
1: And you mentioned the people unable to attend. That kind of goes back to the grief thing. You've got a lot of senior citizens and, and aging folks who really, who may have actually been sort of social. My mom is one of those that uh, are really kind of locked down. That's That's been a challenge, I'm sure, for, for churches as well, to deal with their older folks who are being told to stay home no matter what.
0: Yeah. Well, and, it, and we're, we're fortunate in that people are, are heeding that warning here? Um, they're not happy about it, but they—they they, by and large they realize that that's that's a that's for their own good. But yeah, there's—I mean, I've said for years I don't think there's a substitute for that. That's part of what we believe about church around here. Um, we we can't, you know, all the efforts to short circuit that in my mind haven't proven very <laughs> successful. I think people are wanting that kind of community that's that's what we're we're betting on here uh and and having to do that in new ways um that are many times less satisfying than than being in in someone's presence um that's challenging and it's uh, it's not something any of us are interested in doing um long term so it, it's it's been a challenge it's been a challenge for all of us because whether we regardless of our age uh, if we've taken seriously what's what we're hearing about this virus we've become more isolated people and it's, of course that's the case um for for seniors or people who especially people who live alone uh, again i'm thankful for technology uh, we try to be intentional about. Um, and our own family using uh, FaceTime so that we can see each other, even though we can't be with each other. And um, just uh, trying, to, uh, trying to make it through however long this lasts, which is itself difficult because we don't really have a clear answer to that question yet.
1: And I know I've known you, Josh, for a good while. I know you've got a real pastor's heart. It has to be difficult to... Some of the functions visiting the sick in the hospital, and if somebody has a virus you can't go see them and then performing funerals and stuff you've been put in a situation that's sort of precarious and difficult to perform your pastoral role in uh,
0: that I think I mean, you mentioned funerals especially I, that's um, one of the one of the lingering questions I have is what what is um, what is our isolation doing to our grief recovery in terms of of losing someone close to us you know we have a death ritual in the south that is tried and true i mean there's Mm -hmm. fried chicken and casseroles and visitation and how's your mom and them shaking hands and and all that i mean it's a it's a whole thing and
1: and you know when my grandfather died they were still doing wakes they still brought the casket home and he stayed in the house house, for three days yeah
0: and 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 that 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 has gradually changed. And so they're not, they're not written in stone, but this is a, this is a big part of our grief process. It's not just the public side of things, but it's also part of our processing. We tell those stories and we laugh and we see people that we don't see anywhere else, but at the funeral home. And, and that's been taken away. And in fact, I've heard recently about several people in town who have found out that friends have passed away and they didn't know it. Um, because the phone tree is calling around to make sure that you know that your friend's uh, funeral or memorial service is, you know, Friday at three o'clock, at, you know, in the funeral home chapel. There's no need for that anymore. And and um, what what had been a communal practice of remembering and celebrating and processing some some stages of grief um, has become very private and obituaries are shorter. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a grief associated with the death of a person. And then there's a grief really that's associated also with uh, not being able to remember them or celebrate their life the way you normally would. Um, And, and I don't know, again, psychologists will talk about this for generations i guess what what did um changes in our death rituals now do to impact our grief process but that's just yeah that's one question among many questions and and we're doing the best we can but we don't know we don't know long term what the implications are of all this
1: but i know just personally it has to kind of break your heart because you're so you're so personable and so close to your people
0: it it's it's difficult i mean it, we we feel like our um feel like our hands are tied um, because i i i I am taking it seriously i'm i I'm, I'm hearing from medical professionals to take it seriously and I'm trying to lead our church in taking it seriously and I know that that's you know there's questions from people about how seriously to take it but we are taking it seriously here and which means that we're we are physically distant uh, more than we wish we were.
1: Right, and and particularly funerals. I mean, I, I know, uh, I mean, I'm not asking for commentary, but we had the one in Sumter here, which six people died as a result of 10 in that funeral. The one in Albany, Georgia, 600 cases came out of one funeral. I mean, it's it's a scary time for people that want to pay their last respects, but at the same time, you don't want to have six more funerals because somebody decided to go to a funeral, you know? Right, but um,
0: right, and making the decisions to be supportive in different ways—you um, know—express your love in different ways and your care in different ways. Now, is well, so important
1: financially. How are you and your friends' churches dealing with it? Are people still stepping up and giving? Is it a challenge when you don't have physical services to get people to give their tithes and offerings?
0: Um, our uh, uh, most of my friends that I talk with, their giving is down. Um, we we say in our service, each week in our service, we have an offertory uh, prayer and we have an offertory song at, like we would have if people are walking around with plates and collecting offerings. And we do that, we say, because giving good stewardship is a part of the life of a faithful Christian. And because it's a part of the life of a faithful Christian, it's a part of the worship life of a church. And so we recognize that, but we say in recognition of the fact that we've got people who are watching us, uh, who are not, um, otherwise a part of the life of our church, uh, but are watching us because their church services aren't, aren't able to be broadcast online. We say support, support your church with your giving. Um, support the church you're invested in with your giving that's definitely a you know for a lot of churches is an existential question you know we there will be churches uh in all likelihood who close during this time and won't reopen and um i I hate that you know most churches don't have the ability to um, to not receive any offerings for two three months and still be um Financially viable, uh, so we 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 have seen um, we've seen a reduction in our giving, but um, it's not uh, as severe as it could have been. And and to be honest with you, I've felt really humbled by um, people taking additional steps to give. Um, to get their offering to us during this time. Uh, it's been really inspirational to, to see people continue to be connected to their church in that way, even though they have to go through some additional effort to uh, to give these days.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. If somebody's listening, they're part of First Baptist Church family, or if they're just people who have a good vibe about First Baptist, what are the ways they can contribute to First Baptist?
0: We, um, before um, all this... Uh, came about several years ago. We had a conversation here about electronic giving, um, and and to provide uh, to provide it as an option to people. Um, because myself, the the check to the church was about the only check I would write in a given <laughs> week. Uh, we would do everything else uh, online, and so uh, we made that available here. And um, if you go to our website, there's a red give button on the website andersonfbc.org and you can set up a recurring gift or you can designate a gift we try to make it uh flexible depending on uh what a person would like to do and um uh, but we we try to also encourage people who give that way to remember at that point during our worship services that they have that they have Uh, been worshipful in their electronic giving so that the plate's not just passing them by and they're feeling like they're observing other people's faithfulness um, to just kind of remember in that moment that God has been uh, generous with them and they have responded by being generous to the church Uh, and and even though it's some keystrokes instead of putting some dollar bills in the plate uh, they're they're still being generous and worshipful in their stewardship
1: now, if they're doing a mail a check, where do they mail it?
0: Uh, Three zero seven South Manning Street, two nine six two four. Okay, is our physical address.
1: Okay, well, First Baptist has been a integral part of Anderson County for gosh, going almost two hundred years. If you go all the way That's back. That's right. To, and uh, I'm glad you, you still are, and it's it's not. Uh, the same church it was two hundred years ago, and it won't be the same church in two hundred years, and that's a good thing <laughs> for that's all of right. us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, What's it's the old like... joke about church? You got to be careful how you do something because they're going to do it the next way for the next two hundred years.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I keep, uh, I keep thinking about that same kind of phenomenon because um, I, I referenced in my sermon um, last Sunday. Uh, that Phyllis Tickle wrote that the church has a tendency to have a, a rummage sale every 500 years, mm-hmm. and that in the year 500, it was the fall of the Roman Empire in the Dark Ages. Yep. Uh, in the, in, and in the year uh, 1000, it was the Great Schism yep. from Eastern and Western Christianity. In the 1500s, it was the Protestant Reformation.
1: And the printing press, too. And the printing press, too.
0: That's right. And her point is you know, it's been 500 years, and
1: right.
0: <laughs> and the church is due for a uh, a house cleaning. And actually, she starts with the birth of Jesus, uh, in in cleaning cleaning house and helping people expand their understanding of who God is and how God's with them. And so, every 500 years, she says, and and who knows um, if this is the great rummage cell of the church? But what's absolutely true is that. Things are happening within our church and the universal church in response to this virus that will have long-lasting implications for the way we do church. And my prayer is that the changes that we're making that are lasting will be godly changes and that we'll be more faithful as a result of, of this.
1: Um, And I want to mention that that book, The Great Emergence. We lost her in the last couple of years, but The Great Emergence. She's a
0: fantastic thinker, and I love that book. It's a great book.
1: Well, have you seen any more cooperative spirit among churches and people of faith during this time, or is it about like normal? or No comment. No, uh,
0: what I am finding is um, a tremendous amount of grace um because a lot of our churches um are more visible right now um in in the community i mean you know people who would never walk through the doors of this church can watch in some way how we do church on a sunday morning by by looking at the screen and i'm finding um thankfully a lot of grace in this because uh none of us are experts in doing church in a global pandemic uh and and we're all we're all answering the big questions that we're having to pose in different ways and rather than climbing up in the judgment seat and saying i can't believe you know you're mailing out a written sermon rather than broadcasting your worship services or i can't believe um you know you canceled this long or you've started back this soon." I'm, I'm, ex- I'm experiencing from my ministerial colleagues a lot of grace um, because all of us are operating with, with factors that are unknown to the rest of us when we're making decisions. And um, I think that abundance of grace um, is a good thing, and I wish there was more of that in our society. And I, and I hope that we can continue to uh, embody that spirit after this immediate crisis is over.
1: I haven't been to any of the, the places where they say the most crowds are, the Jockey Lot and Walmart and Lowe's. But my experience when I have had to get out um, is in person, Seem people seem to be a little kinder and a little nicer. Now, online, they seem a little chippier <laughs> just because they are sitting online all day. But I think <laughs> right, I've seen right. people in person exhibit a little more, like you said, a little more grace than I've noticed, I think, in the past. And I think that's a good thing if people can hang on to some of that. But there's, there's um, well, a
0: humility and a grace that go together, and I think it's I think it's coming out now in, in some in some good ways.
1: You mentioned this a couple times. Remind people if they want to know more about First Baptist, uh, where they what's the best place to go look and find that information.
0: We'd love for you to visit us on our website AndersonFBC dot org or on Facebook. Uh, you'll find on on both of, in both of those places um, videos of our worship services. Um, and staff devotional videos from us daily, each weekday, uh, printed materials. If you, if you like to hold the paper in your hand, you can print out your own bulletin at home and follow along with us. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for this staff who has said, let's do whatever we need to do right now. No one said we can't do that. We, they've all uh, risen to the occasion, and I've been really humbled and inspired by them.
1: And the people I know that attend there have had nothing but good things to say about you guys, too, so that's that's good to hear. Well, um, I tell you what, we'll talk again when we open up again, when the people get healthy enough and the medical experts tell us the church can start again, and we'll kind of see what we've learned and how that looks. That's right. And churches are not the only place for mass gatherings that have been closed. Um, fitness facilities which is you know if you've been around long enough you've seen them come and go i I don't know how many i've watched come and go over the years but one that's remained throughout the years is the ymca of anderson anderson area ymca is the official name and for some people like myself we count on that maintenance of physical and, and mental sanity we get from working out in the gym like i said i've been a gym rat almost my entire life and no amount of jogging or working out at home or trying to make do can take the place of a real workout in the gym for those of us who are pretty serious about it and i know a lot of people's muscles are aching to get back to it but i did talk to anderson area ymca ceo joe drennan who's been around long y'all know drennan and the drennan family been around a long time about how he and his staff have kept working uh on, on things at the y to prepare it for the eventual reopening um they've been hard at work and he answered a lot of questions people had proposed to me about fees and other things at the y and i think he cleared a lot of that up in this discussion
4: it should be calling the Y uh you know but uh, i don't think a lot of people know there's
1: anybody at the wyoming they call me because the the observer we do local stories on stuff like that that's why they're
4: calling me right Well, what what we do is we have urged everybody through the email blast we have we're not sitting there manning the phones our full-time staff has worked the entire time and continuing to work we're more than a gymnasium we're one of the leading non-profits in town and our staff has made mass for hand health. We've assist with chicken sales in the parking lot. Uh, we've stuffed food for uh, South Main Mercy Chapel. We're reaching out on telephone to our older d- d- memberships, getting groceries for them and those type of things. So we haven't been manning the phones, but that doesn't mean that the phones aren't being answered when there's a – sorry, I'm kind of out of breath. I was no, that's okay morning workout in before I go to meet a delivery at the Y. So we've been working daily, but what our email blasts have said that if you would like a refund or if you have any questions, they need to go to our website to Donna, who's our membership director, or Kim, who's our HR director, and uh, they will answer all their questions, and if they do want a refund, they'll give them a refund. Okay. We have all of our bank drafts in the same way because you can't individually go in and make individual connotations like that. So that's the reason we've done that. And uh, most of our members realize what we've been doing. We've been uh, trying to prepare a reopening strategy with a moving date that we don't know when's going to occur yet. Right. But
1: and when it does occur, it's going to be a challenge to do things differently than just because it's, the social part will have to be kind of back-burnered until everybody's healthy and going on. I mean, you know, because a lot of folks, you know, like my mom that comes early, a lot of theirs is hanging around close together, socializing.
4: That's true. And, you know, we're trying to reach, uh, address each individual area like that until we get the mandate from what the state's going to uh, require. We really don't know what that's going to look like for sure. We've been in teleconferences three times a week with CDC, DHEC, and also the governor's office. Uh, we think we're getting a handle on it, but something changes every day with that. So I, I think the easiest way to do would be to urge folks to go to our website okay. and have concerns about uh, refunds or that type thing. Uh, go to the website, address them to Donna, who is our membership director. Send her an email. <coughs> Excuse me or to Kim Blackwell, who's our HR director, and uh, she'll process that. We've processed probably 6% of our entire membership in refunds. Point in time, the majority of the folks understand we're in a pandemic and we're trying to work through it and we're going to do the right thing. And those who have requested refunds, we give them to them immediately. Uh, the lady on Wally sent me some of the things last night that, on that Facebook post, the lady uh, that uh, said her daughter was paying. Uh, we gave her an email call and talked to her this morning, and she didn't drop her membership. Uh, she understood. So I mean, well, that's cool. Can you this-
1: listen? One thing that would help me too. Does anybody have like a, a, a? You mentioned several things y'all been doing for the community. Has anybody got a list of those things that I can?
4: We don't have them written down. You know, we've been, Greg, the main things we've been doing the first two weeks, we moved every piece of equipment off every uh, rubberized floor that we had scrubbed. It's cleaned, uh, you know, cleaned the equipment. We uh, repainted locker room areas. We've redone the track. We've done the steps, painted those up uh, underneath where your punching bag is. We've repainted that and dressed that. We've gone for two to three weeks. It took us going through the facility. Then we went out to our camp and got it prepared for the summer in case we are able to have summer camp. We're not sure of that yet. And got our ball fields. Probably not going to be able to have ball games this summer though because of the social distancing factor. But as far as how we have helped in the community, uh, our staff has sewed, you know, face masks for AmEd Health, uh, made them internally. Uh, we have packed food packets. For South Main Mercy Chapel, uh, we've reached out to all of our older adult membership assisting with grocery pickups or if they had any concerns for prescription pickups that we could help with because of their vulnerable age group. And uh, we have also had three chicken sales from a chicken company that we staffed to sell of those in our parking lot and sold 6,540 pounds back by- boxes of chicken over three separate sale days one, so, uh,
1: one other thing, Joe, I think people, uh, you know, that, that I've mentioned a couple of people that um, losing spring sports and potentially sub- summer sports, that's a pretty big hit to your budget isn't it?
4: Uh, not as much as you think we don't, We're non-profit, Greg right. uh, We don't make money on youth sports, but uh, you know, it, it hurts us in the fact that the children can't get out there and participate and that type thing and, uh, you know, we, uh, we're trying to come up with a schedule, and because it's a floating time frame, just like, in, you know, Clemson University canceled all their spring, uh, our summer sports yep. camp programs and all like that. I'm sure you know college football is still trying to come up what they're going to do. South Pe- Carolina High- <laughs> People South will Carolina- lose their
1: minds if they don't have football this fall.
4: South Carolina High School Association is supposed to meet next week to determine what, they're going to, what the high school fall sports program is going to be like. Uh, we're trying to still make that determination if we're going to be able to have fall sports or not have fall sports. So, I mean, I think that's the frustrating part with everyone. Yeah. You know, we're all in the same boat together, uh, for-profit, non-profit, or whatever, but none of us in our lifetime has seen a pandemic that touched every segment of America like it's done, and uh, we've put out a video by email blast, and also posted it on our website, assuring members that we were going to do the right thing, and that all they had to do was contact us, and and we've done that. We've probably, uh, you know, I don't know the exact number. Got over 5,700 something paying units, and we've refun- made refunds of six percent or less on that membership, and most wives across the state are doing that but yet most wives across the state are I think, drafting and uh, charging the entire month because they're doing the same things that we're doing but we haven't done that and we've moved our dates back to give folks more time frame to uh cancel or to get a refund that's the reason for that main May letter uh, those 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 bank drafts haven't even been drafted yet. They were supposed to be drafted on the 1st of May, but we moved them to the 15th to see, number one, to give the folks if they wanted extra time uh, to cancel their membership or to get a refund, it would give them that without, uh, you know, and if they didn't, they could keep them intact because of the hassle it is to reset up a bank draft. So uh, that's the reason that we did that, but... uh, you know, the simplest thing is just to encourage folks who uh, think they would like a refund, or uh, or even drop their membership if that's what they would like, is to go to our website and contact those two ladies at their email address.
1: I appreciate Joe taking time to talk to me. I uh, caught him when he was out in his yard working out at home and uh so he's a little out of breath that explains that but the a lot of people had contacted me about the why and they i put up a facebook post to see if anybody else had and apparently i wasn't on their um uh, mailing list but they're going to take care of that for me to make sure that i'm on the membership mailing list i was on the media mailing list and um do appreciate all that happens at the why and all they do up there uh, like i said been working out there a long time been a member there really since the 60s i uh, learned to swim there back when people were doing that back at the old one uh, down on fant street and um So we do appreciate all that the Y does and appreciate joe taking time to clear up a lot of misconceptions about what was going on and we do hope that when we can get the safety issues situated that we can open up as soon as possible one other issue that has been coming out there have been a number of national stories on it but many of our friends and family and neighbors are dealing with mental health issues and they're facing a special set of challenges these days Uh, one because even those who have insurance having to move online with their counseling and their treatment some of the outpatient uh, clinics are canceled uh, are not open right now and then those without insurance are left with really no options Um, the uh, a lot of folks have been laid off a lot of people have lost their jobs and again we had millions in South Carolina without any insurance of any kind Medicaid or insurance so they had no access to to, uh, mental health care which is why South Carolina, in this study, ranks 46th in the nation in access to mental health care. And Adam Johnson had done research on this, and I had a chance to talk to him on the phone about what they had done and what this means during this time and in the days ahead.
5: Yeah, my uh, full name is Adam Johnson. Yeah, I'm a research analyst at Quote Wizard.
1: Okay. And I read just briefly through the, the summary of the study. Can you give me a quick overview of the study?
5: Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, we actually published this data uh, a couple months ago, but wanted to revisit it, especially during the uh, coronavirus outbreak. Uh, but at the core of the data, we looked at CDC data on depression rates in each state over a five-year period from 2014 to 2018 uh, to find which states had the highest rate of depression. And few folks in South Carolina had the 19th overall highest rate of depression at about 20%.
1: Right, and I was looking at that, and um, so the, the these numbers are based on that five year study, right?
5: Right. So yeah, from 2014 to 18, the CDC uh, we took a running average on those five years to see which state had the again the highest rate of depression.
1: Right. Well, and, uh, but we also par- go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead.
5: Uh, We also paired that with Mental Health America, which ranked all 50 states based on access to mental health care. So that's really the the story we wanted to tell there is, uh, you know, while states that had a high rate of depression, we wanted to focus more on, uh, you know, states' access to mental health, you know, so folks can seek treatment and receive treatment for uh, depression and other mental illness. And we did find that South Carolina was 46 overall, so one of the lowest rated access Health, uh, mental health care in the nation.
1: That's not a big surprise to a lot of people. did. Is there Has there been any, uh, any update on this? Have they looked at it during the pandemic at all or anything? Have y'all even vaguely looked at those numbers?
5: Well, you know, the, the numbers stayed the same, um, but a little context during uh, what we're seeing during the coronavirus is, you know, again, the story we tell here is, you know, folks with high levels of depression, uh, low levels of access in the states, um, during the coronavirus outbreak, that's Uh, things are more uh, taken to a higher level. Um, You know, we saw a report that 88% of workers reported experiencing uh, moderate to extreme stress over the past four to six weeks during that. So uh, elevated levels of anxiety and stress, uh, you know, adds to levels of depression, uh, mental health needs. And with so many unemployed folks that are losing health insurance uh, because of that, uh, leaving folks kind of out in the cold, uh, to receive access to mental health care in really a time where they might need it the most,
1: right? And I know um, in in South Carolina, the people I've talked to, uh, intensive outpatient uh, centers are closed right now, which has been a lifeline for a lot of people who didn't want to go into you mm-hmm. know in, inpatient clinics. So that's that's an extreme problem, I think. Um,
5: and, yeah, um, certainly with it, you know without folks getting that you know that one on one in person uh, mental health. Uh, evaluations, sessions, um, you know, I think that's uh, it's extremely important to have that one on one in person. Uh you know, we are seeing though Kaiser Permanente did announce that over ninety percent of mental health visits are now happening virtually. So I think folks are that are still able to receive care are still able to get it uh via telehealth in these uh virtual appointments. Uh but the things that we hear at Quote was there were an insurance comparison website. You know, we're looking at the insurance angle here. And with so many folks losing health insurance through layoffs and unemployment, uh, it's leaving a lot of folks uh, without health care coverage that is needed to receive uh, mental health care.
1: Right, and I know, you know the coupled with the fact they didn't open up uh, access to Affordable Care Act coverage either to people who were laid off, that leaves them pretty much out in the cold. Yeah, and you know the one thing that we looked at
5: is with a lot of these folks that are applying for unemployment, um, and don't have health insurance after their uh, after their unemployment, uh, the obvious choice there is to get them onto Medicaid or other similar state programs. Right. Um, and we did find that uh, you know there's states that, uh, during the Affordable Health Care uh, <clears throat> Act, uh, there's what's called Medicaid expansion. Right. And states that participated in Medicaid expansion, that just, uh, the expansion essentially um, grants a higher level of eligibility for Medicaid. Right. Um, versus states that did not expand. So South Carolina was a state that did not participate in right. Medicaid expansion. That's so, been a
4: real
1: a real problem. I've talked to a lot of people who work with, uh, you know, uh, under-resourced folks, and the fact that, first of all, South Carolina has one of the lowest thresholds for families to receive Medicaid to begin with, and they've had a number of cuts, mm-hmm. and then you add to that, they didn't do the expansion, so they, Pretty much if you're a South Carolinian and you lost your job and lost your health care, you're pretty much out of luck. Because like I said, they didn't open up the Affordable Care Act for new people and you can't expand Medicaid. So it's, uh, it's a difficult place for people to be.
5: Yeah, no, and that, that's, that's exactly where we're getting at is, uh, you know, the, those folks in states, non-expansion states like South Carolina um, that, you know, have lost their jobs uh, don't have any level of health insurance coverage. And because of the threshold to get onto Medicare is so low, it's leaving a lot of folks without, without very good health care options, expensive ones through the, through the marketplace or through Cobra to extend their coverage. Right. Uh, so those, you know, with, with, without employment, those expensive health care options, you know, might be too expensive and, you know, due to some income or certain levels, um, are not going to qualify for Medicaid.
1: Did did I don't know if this showed up in any of your I didn't see it in the study, but did was there any any indication about an uptick in suicides or that kind of thing? If you among mental health patients without access to care, I mean, I know that's a general question that's probably answered somewhere else, but I just wondered if it was in your study. It, at all.
5: Sure, no, and that that's something you know we we we're, we're continuing to look at um, you know especially with the new cycle, you know we are just laser focused on. Um, you know, things that pertain to um, the coronavirus as well as health, healthcare, care and health insurance. Um, you know, it, it is general generalized. I know I've read some some reports that suicides are up. Um, but until we have a solid source of trusted data, uh, you know, that's, that's something I don't know if we're going to speculate on.
1: I understand that, and that makes sense. And that's one of the issues, I think, with the, the, the coronavirus in general is we we ha- haven't had enough time to process data on almost any access of it. I mean, you know, they, you can give raw numbers, but it's not real data because we don't have a data set big enough to figure out what's going on yet. Right. Yeah,
5: and, that you know, I think where we're, this data that we used is applicable it is, it is historical data that is fairly recent. Um, but you know, you look at these levels of, of depression rates, and then you know, we did see some figures, you know, from a survey that you know levels of stress and anxiety are up. Um, you know, whether it's folks losing their jobs, uh, having loved ones that have gotten sick from the coronavirus, and just a heightened level of you know, again stress and anxiety that's gonna that's gonna implicate depression rates and other mental illnesses.
1: Yeah, it, it, how will this? and how is it, I guess, I don't know if y'all know yet, uh, but w- given what the, the group you're with, how is this affecting the insurance industry suddenly not having as many people's, you know, paying premiums? And do you think that, uh, when, when it comes back or, or are they going to, or how are they going to deal with that trying to get people back? Cause you know, a lot of the studies now are, are indicating that maybe when the rehiring begins, a lot of people won't be rehired. Yeah. And that's, that, that will be tough. Um, you know, the, you know, while
5: we're going to have so many folks uninsured, um, you know, that means insurance companies aren't going to be paying out um, health care claims for those that they are insuring. Uh, but what that really takes a toll on is the health care system. Uh, when you have uninsured folks that do need uh, uh, health care treatments. Right. Uh, that falls back onto the healthcare care system and ultimately the taxpayers. And that's how health care costs increase t- uh, over the years is um, you know, things healthcare gets more expensive because they have to cover historical costs um, where there are deficits.
1: And if the pool gets more shallow, they have to cover them with fewer people paying premiums. So,
5: right, it's going to present it's going to present some some unique issues uh, just to the entire healthcare system. Right. Um, you know, again, if someone without without health insurance goes in and gets treatment. Uh, there's no insurance company to cover that. Uh, goes back on to the person without health insurance that likely may be unemployed or underemployed that can't pay that um, so it, it is it's a tough cycle of the health care system having to um, essentially pay for itself and then costs increase because of that
1: are y'all going to do follow-up study to this when there is enough data available to see how the pandemics affected the health, mental health care issue, uh, issue we're talking about
5: um, you know, I, I think for now, um, you know, we, we're just publishing the study um, and kind of revisiting um, some data that we, we we published a few months ago. Uh, you know, again, we're going to continue looking at all sorts of data sets. Um, the big one that we're going to have coming out next week, and uh, we'll, I think we'll certainly keep you on our list for it, is taking a deeper look at um, unemployment rates and what that's going to mean um, specifically for health insurance coverage.
1: Right. Well, that'd be interesting. I'll make sure people, you know, get some information about that. Tell me, look, just tell me a little bit more about Quote Wizard, what what you you guys are involved in, because this is the first time I've talked to anybody from there directly.
5: Yeah, well, uh, we here at Quote Wizard, we're an insurance comparison website, so we help folks shop for all sorts of insurance, like auto, home, uh, renters, and health insurance. Uh, But particularly me and my team of analysts, uh, we look at more of the economics of insurance and all things that affect insurance. So a number of these studies that we produce, you know, just like this mental health care coverage, is, you know, we look at things like depression rates in, you know, a given state, uh, access to mental health care and how that how health insurance plays a role in the economics of things like mental health.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And if people want to find out the things you guys are studying, it's just to quotewizard.com, right?
5: Yeah, quotewizard.com slash news. Okay. We'll take you to our the news section of our website where they can find uh, more stories and studies uh, that we produce that are similar to this mental health care.
1: This is a serious issue. I know um, several members of our Anderson County legislative delegation have been working on trying to provide more access and more early help to people who do need uh, you know, facilities and, and, and uh, resources that can deal with mental health and mental health issues, which is a real growing problem and a real growing challenge for a lot of folks in our community. And, you know, our friends and neighbors uh, that have been doing this for a long time are are facing a lot of special challenges as well. And um, I do want to give a shout out, though, to Kurt Stutler and the South Main Chaplain Mercy Center for their unending efforts to serve so many folks that have mental health issues and challenges who have no insurance or any other options at all. And if you're looking for a good place to support financially in Anderson during this time, Uh, You can learn more about them and how to give money to them and how to support them at their Facebook page. That's the South Main Chapel Chapel and Mercy Center here in Anderson. Well, each month I interview Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns for an update on Anderson County. And he said the county is as busy, busy as usual, even though not technically. The doors aren't open for regular people walking in and out of the doors, but the folks are still working and they've now scheduled an in-person council meeting for may the 19th and that'll be a week from tuesday and here's the other things rusty had to say about what's going on in the county all right we're in month two of the shutdown lockdown how's that going first of all are are there any plans to bring any people back from home that are working at home right now
6: Uh, we've had some people that have been working at home have been coming back in a trickle effect right now and we're working towards uh an opening we're still looking at things right now it's tentative for the 18th but when you say opening that's a misnomer because we've never been closed anderson county has been open every day Uh, did we uh reply to the governor's request to close boat ramps yes did we open them up when he said yes so we've done things like that but for the business the general business of the county we have never been closed and uh will not close so you know we may be opening some doors that have been closed, but so far not heard very much about anybody from the general public saying that they have been inconvenienced by this.
1: And the parks are all open again. It certainly
6: requires people to take care of them. Yeah, we, we're we taking care of all the things we're supposed to take care of, so we're doing that. So, and you know, and we still have a whole lot of people who never worked from home. So we're getting there, but we want everybody to be safe. and. uh not only the people who work here, but we also want the general public to be safe. And so that's been our primary responsibility in what we're trying to do.
1: Has it, well, let's, let's, let's first talk about county council. Any plans on a county council meeting? We'll
6: probably have a county council meeting within the next two weeks, absolutely. But it will not be remote. It will not be over the air. It will be live. And uh, I've been working with members of council on how we can do that. To make sure that we maintain social distancing not only for the council but for people who would like to come to that meeting so we're working that out right now
1: would that mean having another location or
6: could be another location uh could be outside under the trees we don't know yet but i want to make sure it's absolutely positively safe for people to attend but as you and i've talked earlier wall street journal came out with, a, with, with an editorial saying that these online meetings and things like that cheat democracy. Uh, the Post and Courier in Charleston came out with an editorial and said the same thing. And as I said earlier, I agree with them. That's not a real meeting. We had to do one for a declaration of emergency. We haven't had one since. And so the next one will be live. And it's critical because we're at budget
1: time.
6: Well, it's budget time, and we don't know what the budget numbers are going to be. They don't know what the budget numbers are gonna be in the state of South Carolina. They don't know what the budget numbers are gonna be in the United States of America. So it's really hard to try to get a grip on exactly where things are. Now, Anderson County does not have a hospitality tax. So we're not gonna realize a loss of revenue from that because we didn't have it. Anderson County does not have a county sales tax. So we've never relied on those two sources of income to fund anything. A lot of places on the coast, and a lot of high tourist areas that depended heavily on that income, they're really going to be wiped out. But we've always tried to run very lean and uh, very mean and keep everything well in hand. So we know we'll be all right, but there's not going to be a tax increase. Of course, we've never had a tax increase. I think one year we increased it a mill, then the year before that we uh, (coughs) decreased it a mill. I think we'll get there, but right now we just don't know what the revenues are.
1: That's why I was going to ask you, do we have any clues? I know Georgia's already telling counties how much they're cutting over there.
6: Yeah, but see, our General Assembly, and we get some money from them, they're not going in until June next week, I believe. On the, <clears throat> no, they're going in in May, so we don't know what they're going to do, and we don't know what they know what they can do. So, you know, we're waiting to see what that is. Very, very strange times, very trying times, but we'll get through it. But there's a lot of unknowns out there.
1: Am I right that that ledger
6: kind of stuff usually runs six or eight weeks behind anyway? So they yeah. don't even know. Yeah, the, they, I the mean, not, times. No, I mean, a lot of the state budget. I mean, some tourism dollars in there. There are no tourists. So what are you going to do? You don't know.
1: Well, how about projects that are already funded under under uh, one? Uh, a lot of people ask about the Paul's Dog Park.
6: Where are we at on? I know the weather. Well, all of the projects that we're continuing on with either come from grant money or tourist money so we're not taking maybe a small pittance of general fund money to go on those projects so basically the funding for those projects was secured before all of this this happened and so they've been bid and placed out so they're they're pretty much done
1: so where do you have any idea where we are timetable on the dog park
6: no i uh, I know this has caused a drop in donations, and the speed at which we can move is probably at least a year away.
1: And the rain kept us off for Well, the rain kept months. everybody
6: for six months from doing anything.
1: But I, I talked to Kim Davis about PAUSE. People forget that just because it's not open to the public doesn't mean they're not running full tilt and need support and volunteers
6: going we are. We are not open, but we are still taking animals, and we are also adopting out animals. So we're still doing all of that, but I can tell you this, through a a variety of things, we have fewer animals there than we've ever had. A, our spay and neuter efforts that the county does in association with the Anderson Humane Society, is that now coming into effect? And we do a lot of other things to try to help people keep their animals. We received a large, very generous donation of dog food and cat food from the United Way. If somebody's having a rough patch and they were thinking about giving up their animals because they couldn't feed them, then thanks to the United Way and that generous donation. And I'm talking about a lot of food. Maybe we can help them out through that period by, by doing that. And we've done some of that. And
1: they still need volunteers to walk dogs and do all still these of things Still need volunteers,
6: still need to do everything that we've been doing. But we're trying to keep everybody safe. Again, that's our primary goal. We don't want anybody who works for Anderson County to get sick, and we don't want any citizens in Anderson County to get sick, and we don't want to be the cause of that happening.
1: Well, you mentioned United Way. Have you seen more partnerships sort of develop through all this? or are people pulling I, mean, this together? Is just,
6: I mean, everybody's doing everything. We've worked with the Salvation Army, as you know, on providing showers and uh, cleaning supplies for our homeless population. They've opened up shelters. We've reached out to groups like Shalom to house people. We have reached out to just uh aim has gone out and done wonderful things. I don't know of a non nonprofit who hasn't been over backwards to do something good to help people, and a lot of this is collaborative, as you were pointing out, <laughs> groups working together <coughs> that might not have crossed those uh, lines in the past, but working together so. A lot of good stuff going on. And
1: one project that's ongoing is with uh, Meals on Wheels, the Anderson County that a replaces very
6: those sites that we're serving <laughs> that couldn't do it. We had fixed sites where we provided food for senior citizens all, on, over, the county. all over the county. There was a special grant for, program, senior nutrition program, excuse me. <coughs> and we had places in Pendleton, Iva, Honeya Anderson, every place in the county. But since we can't do that, Uh, Meals on Wheels and others have gotten together and we've mapped out locations in the county and we're actually going to those for the next five weeks. We've already had the first week so people over 60 years old can get five free meals and some fruit and that has gone gangbusters. Lots of people all over the county uh, getting that food and we're happy to be part of that assist with that and it's just a great program and they received a large contribution from Blue Cross Blue Shield, private benefactor out of their foundation to pay for that to make it possible, and, uh,
1: and they're doing that all over the state. They kind of we well,
6: they are doing it all over the state now. Now, yeah, yeah. We were one of the first. But we're to do already in, in the yes. process. Yes.
1: Uh, what about some of the big long-term things you and I have been talking about a long time? The Courthouse Square project has it just been pretty on hold, pretty much on hold?
6: No. As a matter of fact, the developer and I were talking last week. But right now, just trying to wait and see what everything is. What's the cost of money? We're not going to pay for it, but what's his cost of money? What are construction prices doing? All of those things go into combination. Do you build something for the sake of saying, look what we have? Or do you still hold out that dream of doing something that's going to make a statement for the generations? And that's what we're holding out for.
1: So there's not a timetable, you're just there's waiting for really the right We thing.
6: own that property, and we can own that property for 500 years but we'd like something there, but it has to be exactly right.
1: And council, but kind of circling back around to them, they've been meeting on the budget, working on the budget all along here, and they've got to have a budget by the 15th of May. Is that correct?
6: Well, we have to have a first reading yeah, a by, by the first meeting. But we are also looking at doing a continuing resolution, just like the state's doing and other people are doing. Again, you know, just freezing everything in place, except those projects that have been completed that won't be in the budget. <clears throat> But possibly doing that. So until maybe three, four, five months later, you can actually see what the revenue is and what you have to do with. So you know, again, you're trying to do a budget when you don't know what's what.
1: And I know we update this every month, but what about the sewer cooperation with Pendleton and Clemson? Where is that standing?
6: Still working on that. Uh, this that's been slowed a little bit uh, because of this, but. The city of Clemson, as you know, their city administrator resigned and their public works guy resigned. So that kind of slowed that down. So getting the new characters introduced and working together on that is still moving along.
1: And I guess our uh, convenience centers are still slammed.
6: They are slammed. Every day is Christmas at our convenience centers. There can't be anything left in people's garages. There can't be anything laying around the house because we've handled all of it. And our solid waste department always does a wonderful job. We have had to, as we talked, not take glass and not take aluminum cans because we're not getting any prisoners from the detention center who usually do the bulk of that sorting. Plus, we don't want prisoners to get sick. We don't want our people to get sick. So right now, we're taking plastic, cardboard, and mixed paper at our centers. And that's coming in very well. And a lot of people I know are saving up their aluminum cans. I know one person in particular who was fussed at yesterday for saving their aluminum cans by somebody <laughs> but i'm still saving those aluminum cans and the uh, the
1: prickly fingers quilt guild made masks yes. for all the people
6: prickly prickly fingers they have just stepped up they're traditionally they make quilts they swapped over to making masks and they've been delivering them hand over. Hand over fish glenn brills wife glenn brills our parks recreation and tourism manager his wife, they just bring in masks all the time for us to give to different people in different departments. And our Quilts of Valor people who make the quilts who wrap the veterans, they have changed over to make masks and they have been turning them out by the bushel. So Quilts of Valor and Prickly Fingers stepped right up, said, what can we do? Let's help. And they're just working. It's just great. But both of those groups do good stuff all, all the time.
1: Where are we at on like road construction based on stuff we'd already
6: planned and Uh, Probably whenever we can have an ACTC meeting we can let loose some of the construction projects the state's never stopped their construction projects. We still have some that we're completing, but when they can meet and release some more new projects, that's when we'll have some more road paving going on along those lines.
1: But those lists are on the, on the website, the
6: website. website. You, you can, can look, see what roads you're you can look and see to be. Every day, you can check on. the status of those roads.
1: And we've had, to, I think I talked to whole. we've had to delay that big fancy train that makes the roads as it goes until yep. another time. Because yep. That was actually done before this because of the weather. Yes. It? What about the sign on 85, coming in from
6: Georgia is that it's up I think we may have just a tad more a couple more bushes to put there already heard a lot of wonderful things and a little more clearing over there so that means coming in from the north and coming in from the south you know you're in Anderson County then as money becomes available and that's when it becomes available we will be marking the other locations into Anderson County
1: and updating a lot of the signage because some of the signage in some of the places is really dated when you look at
6: and we do have a sign shop and now we're able to get and take care of some of that stuff. So yes.
1: Uh, the the county uh, folks over at uh, the, the voter registration group here in the county have been working hard because the the primaries are going on right ahead and they are already they've opened up some extra places for people to vote.
6: You need to check that out very carefully. But thanks to our legislative delegation registration and elections that we're going to have additional places where you can go cast your absentee ballots. Uh, Three locations, you can check their website, check ours, one of them is Powdersville, one of them is going to be in the Belt and honeypath area. And that's to make sure that people can vote during this coronavirus crisis. So instead of having to come down here and other things, there are going to be places in your neighborhood where you can actually go there and do that. We wanted to put many, many more. Hopefully, later on, we can do that, but this is just to make people feel safe and to exercise their rights.
1: And speaking of feeling safe and exercising our rights, people need to be encouraged to fill out their census forms of that.
6: Oh, please, and right now, if you don't have anything to do, fill out your census report. That is very important. A, you always hear people say, well, the more people we have, the more money we get. Yeah, that's true. That's a true thing. That's a good thing. But I can't repeat this enough, it's one of the foundational documents of of, of the United States of America to fill out a census. And do we want to lose representation? I mean, if you don't fill that thing out, you know, this possibility, South Carolina could lose a congressional seat. We just got one. That's a very real possibility. If you live in a uh, house district or a Senate District, South Carolina House or Senate District, how do you want those lines to be configured? This census will tell you how you're going to do that. County Council lines, this census will tell you how to do that. If you don't show up and let them know you're there, then you're not going to be counted, and you won't be counted for another 10 years.
1: And you mentioned, I think it's $890 per person counted, and that's
6: how much we lose per person missed. Yes, and this is easy. This is not a plot. It's not a scam. The Founding Fathers said, we need to do this for the United States of America. This is important that we know how many people we have.
1: And speaking of economics, uh, Anderson County, we've talked about before, is the leading international investment county in the state. We've got the most companies from the most countries, so, you know, we, everybody else forgets that. How is uh, recruitment and economic development internationally going? Is it kind of frozen all over the world right now?
6: No, it's not frozen. As a matter of fact, it's still interestingly going pretty strong, and we have some more international interest, and we have some West Coast interest, and with the big push because of the coronavirus, you're looking at more companies that want to come back, or are being given a carrot to come back, or or being told, if you don't come back, we're not going to do business with you. And in economic development, that's called reshoring. That's the buzzword. So I think you're seeing a lot of that. We've had a taste of some of that, but I think it's going to accelerate where more companies that have offshore operations are gonna come back to the United States.
1: And we still have a lot of sites here that are ready for that. We
6: have sites available. We also still have a good workforce. Uh, Arthrex just hired their 250th person. And most of our major manufacturers have not gone down they have still been producing product and a lot of our smaller ones have not missed a day and a lot of them are doing some really cutting edge stuff to keep their employees safe and healthy so we're hoping that a this is bad but we're hoping that there's going to be a quick rebound
1: and TTI have they stopped building a new building every day
6: no they're still building a new building every day <laughs> so they just, they just keep building stuff and building stuff.
1: Everybody notices that. Uh, Going into the summer and fall, what what will be different than has traditionally happened in the summer and the fall in the way you plan and, and work things out?
6: Well, right now, there are not any events. Nobody's having any concerts. Nobody's having events like that. And I don't think you'll probably see those until maybe July. But everybody's still a little skittish. Our occupancy rate in our hotels is way down. We have gotten some business. Through others' misfortune, when they had the horrible situation in Seneca and Oconee, they sent in a lot of work crews. Well, they couldn't stay there, so they came and they stayed with us. Uh, we've done things like had all the Duke Power employees tested at the Civic Center. That's one of the places where we give out food. but. It's going to be a different summer. I think it's going to be more family-oriented, you going out and you and your family and amusing yourselves and doing things that you haven't thought about doing, because I don't think there are going to be a lot of places where you can go and have somebody else entertain you.
1: So is um, are we still looking at maybe Freedom Weekend, we having our, our annual Celebrate Anderson? We're
6: hoping and we're planning on Celebrate Anderson to celebrate everything good in Anderson County, but we're looking. Because you know last week there were more deaths than there have been in any week since this started And more cases every day and more cases every day and I and I try to remind people they say well you know well, you're you know y'all are doing this but then I remind them right across the river you can get a tattoo a haircut and do pretty much whatever you go want to, to. go to Waffle House and where do those people like to come they like to come to Anderson South Carolina so Still a tricky situation.
1: Have we had any employees test positive? Yes. Many?
6: Nope. Not very many. But we had one who came down.
1: That was earlier. Earlier.
6: And we don't want any of them to come down with it. And we don't want any citizen in Anderson County to come down with it. I mean, our emergency preparedness people are working constantly around the clock. We have provided supplies to industry to individuals, to nonprofits. We have done all of that. We have helped our neighboring counties. We will continue to do that, but they have really done a remarkable job and God bless our dispatchers. God bless them because they have been not only answering fire and and criminal calls and things like that under almost unbearable circumstances. And I don't want to forget this, but this is a corrections officer week and we certainly want to thank our corrections officers who had do a wonderful job here in Anderson County under difficult conditions. And we want to thank them very much for everything they do.
1: And, and the, both the, the emergency folks and the other folks you're talking about had to split their time between it was already crisis to the 23 tornadoes that came through. And then another one came through yes. the other night.
6: And our people, they never miss a beat. They never miss a beat. David Baker. Josh Hawkins, or Shaggy as we like to call him, Mr. McAdams, the whole crew, Anita, and all the others who work there. But also, in order to do this, our IT department's been superior in backing people up and helping us make the transition in a lot of areas to do things. I mean, it's just so many good things going on. And they're doing
1: a lot of new stuff with the Sheriff's Department with the IT too, with the cameras and the body cameras. A lot of
6: new stuff that we haven't done in the past to give all our officers body cameras. It uh, took us a while to do it, but the reason it took us a while to do it because everybody wanted to sell us a body camera. And our sheriff's department was very particular on what they wanted and how they went, went about getting it and how they were going to begin that process. So that's well underway. And so, I mean, everything we have is in the process of being updated, modernized, looking at with different eyes. Uh,
1: it seems like building is still continuing.
6: And building is still, still wide open. Refinancing is still wide open. People buying used cars, which I mentioned last time, is still going wide open. And we just hope it. We just hope we can get back to work pretty quick when all this stimulus money runs out. That we can get back to work and people can get on with their lives. I don't know if they will ever get on with their lives like they did before. Uh, people have a great capacity to forget tragedy and hardship, but I think this might have a little, leave a little mark.
1: Has the county learned some stuff that they'll be able to do better after this? Yes. Because of the, having we, to do
6: things differently? Yeah, we learn something new every day on how we can do things different and better. But this has really been a concentrated thing on, yeah, do we need to do that? Can we do this? Look, we can do this remotely. We don't have to have these people waste their time and come down here. We can do it this way. And uh, we've gotten real good and real efficient. And we're going to get real better and more efficient at doing it. And so, but that's, that's a testament to the people who work for Anderson County. Yeah, passionate people who work here.
1: And circling back around to the events, if, if we can get Celebrate Anderson going, there should be a lot more entertainers looking for work because they've been out of work. All.
6: And they might be at a reduced price, yeah, too. Yeah, they'll be battling to get stuff. they were trying to come back. But, I mean, you know. If That's you, the thing,
1: you've got to plan, though, months in advance. So how, yeah. how do you make those plans? I mean, well, is there going to be an announcement at some point?
6: Yeah, but it's not going to be next month, I promise you that. Well, next month's June. I know, but it's not going to be then. I mean, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know if there's going to be a spike. I'm hoping there's not going to be a spike.
1: Well, let's just be really hopeful that the thing we usually end up with is the event that we can all count mm-hmm. on is the tree lighting and holiday walk.
6: Oh, if we're gonna li- we're gonna light that tree and uh, gonna light it early. We're gonna light it early. Like we did last time. They yes. let it go dark and they yes. have a light for Thanksgiving. We're people. celebrating Jesus's birthday. Okay, well, you can weekend. just write that down. That'll that that'll happen. And the tree is gonna be bigger. It's growing right now.
1: And. Um, you know, if my math's correct, we 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 talked about last time in 10 years we'll be taller than the Rockefeller Center. Yes, true. Yes. So some people have something to look forward to. No yes. pollen. Yes. No heat. Yes. No virus, hopefully. Yes. But uh, in the meantime, what can people do to keep up with what's going on, Rusty?
6: Well, they can look at the Anderson Observer. They can go to any number of our websites that we have for the Civic Center, the County website. Always encourage people to look at Channel 193 on Charter and all of the other platforms. I think you'll find a lot of good information. Streaming on
1: anything. Streaming on anything. anything.
6: You can get it anywhere you want to. You can get it in Tibet. You can get it in Montserrat. I believe you can get it in Shangri-La. And we encourage people to go to it and look at it so you'll know what's going on in your county.
1: And they'll see that things are still going on during all this. Yes, they will. If they miss stuff. Yes.
6: And if you turn it in, the odds are very, very good you're going to see a neighbor or their children, or somebody you know doing something good.
1: Is there anything we had not talked about we can look forward to in June?
6: I'm just looking forward to June. <laughs> and maybe being a little bit warmer, and it would be nice if it wouldn't rain, and it would be real nice if there were no tornadoes for a while. Our people need a chance to catch up, because when those tornadoes come, we're the ones out there cutting those trees, along with our wonderful volunteer firefighters and people like that, so... Just to catch up a little bit would be good. Looking
1: for better days.
6: Looking for better days.
1: And we all believe better days are on the way. And that's it for this week's Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Special Mother's Day edition. Don't forget to do something nice for your mother and tell her you're grateful. I hope you'll tune in again next week for more interviews with folks that are involved in making this place a better place to work and live. And until then, I hope you'll get out and do something yourself to make Anderson a better place.
0: The weight of the world on my shoulders Hope my tears don't freak you out They're just kinda coming out It's the music in me and all of the colors Wish we didn't live, wish we didn't live so far other i'm just sitting here thinking about the time that's slipping and missing
3: my mother mother and she's probably sitting there
4: thinking about the time that's slipping